This is the Rebel Author Podcast, where we talk about books, business, and occasionally bad words. Hello, Rebels, and welcome to episode 109 of the Rebel Author Podcast. Today, I'm talking to Craig Martell all about release strategies. But first to last week's question, which was, what adventure have you been on? No comments from last week, although I am recording early, so there may well be some comments come in over the next 24 hours. Uh, It is Thursday, the 21st of October. Normally I would have, is it Thursday? Yeah, it's Thursday. Normally I'd be recording on Friday, Uh, but I am treating myself to a whopper of a new haircut, hairdo, hair dye uh, bonanza. So yeah, I'm sure I will post about that on Instagram. Okay, this week's question is what type of launch appeals to you most? The book recommendation of the week this week is a patron book. So the first book in her young adult fantasy series, Magic, is by C.M. Newell. So um, the book is all about Wiccans and a girl who's about to, uh, I guess, inherit or be next in line uh, for the royal family of Wiccans. And there's a handsome warrior and guardians and magic and if you like young adult fantasy then you should absolutely go and check out magic by cm newell and the links to that book will be in the show notes and uh, you can also buy that direct and of course you know i i fully support purchasing direct so please do go and have a look at that. Okay, so in personal uh, news and update, uh, I've already mentioned my very snazzy hairdo. I'm going to be varying shades of of purple. I like to think of it as like perhaps a mermaid of purple. Um, I'm going grey, <laughs> basically. I don't really want to be grey, so um, I'm, I'm going to have my hair done. I've, I've never really... Um, I've been to the hairdressers a couple of times, uh, but mostly um, I've been to barbers and um, I have had, like when I was growing up my mum cut my hair until I was 18 when I went and had it cut off uh, at which point I did go to um, a hairdresser so yeah like this will be uh, an experience I've never had my hair dyed in a hairdresser's salon before so I don't know I'm sort of mildly anxious about that but also incredibly excited because um, hey how on brand is that gonna be? If you haven't joined the Villains Masterclass, then this is your last chance, if you are listening in real time, to attend it live. So the class will be on the 31st of October, um, and it will be... I'm not going to lie, I am super excited because I have had such fun pulling the slides uh, together for the Masterclass. I really... I'm excited to be talking about this topic. So we're going to be looking at villains as protagonists, which I do feel is like an increasing trend that's happening. Uh, We'll be looking at origin stories, villain arcs, wounds, how to sort of create more depth with them, how to really polish up your villainous characters. So if you would like to join me, um, then you can. You can visit sashablack.co.uk and then head to shop. And it's the first item in my store at the moment. If you're unable to make it, I still recommend purchasing it uh, now because it's cheaper now. So for the live event, it will be uh, slightly less and then um, it will be slightly more for um, afterwards because there'll be added things like transcripts and audio and video and and all of the rest of it. So it will be slightly more um, after. So if you are thinking about it, definitely time to join now. Don't forget, you can get your story bundle, your NaNoWriMo story bundle of 16 books as well as uh, discounts for due 
Tutor. I still don't know if I'm saying that correctly. Um, and there's books from the likes of myself, of course, um, Craig Martell, uh, um, Andrea Pearson. We've got books from uh, Joanna Penn, Mark Lefebvre, uh, Kevin J. Anderson, and all of these books in this bundle uh, go to help you uh, improve your craft, improve your publishing, your marketing, and all of that good stuff. Um, and it's a pay what you like bundle as well. So if you would like to find out more about that bundle, then head over to storybundle.com forward slash nano. We're really, really short on rebel author stories. So I'm just making a sort of second plea uh, for you to uh, send in your stories to rebelauthorpodcast at gmail.com. And likewise, if you are a patron and you have a book that you have published, please do email Becca on rebelauthorpodcast at gmail.com with details of your published book um, or published books uh, so that we can um, add it into the schedule for... Um, uh, book of the week. Okay, so lastly, then I am off to uh, off on a plane this weekend. Uh, I'm not gonna lie, I'm quite anxious. Um, it's been a long time since I've been on a plane, uh, almost three years, no, two and a half years. Um, and there is a lot more paperwork, a lot of sort of tests and fucking around that we've had to do to uh, get ourselves to get on this plane. So uh, I don't. I, I'll be honest, I, I, I really was quite anxious this week. I sort of, I didn't have a panic attack, but I had a very tight chest on Tuesday. And yeah, I was just struggling a little bit. Um, but also, of course, I am equally very excited. So um, yeah, that's on Sunday. We will be uh, flying off to Holland for a few days and I'll be back. And so you'll find no difference in the uh, podcasting. You'll still get, get the normal episodes. Um, in other news, I have ordered a new computer. I'm very excited. Uh, I was going to order the purple iMac. And then I decided that I would order a Mac mini instead. So I'm like, the child in me is a little bit disappointed. I'm not going to have a purple computer. Um, but I, the, what I've ordered is a Mac mini and I got more for my money. So I was able to sort of upgrade the internal specs for, for, for less. And then I've, I'm going to have a double screen set up and uh, like sort of on this arm thing. Yeah. So once that's all set up, I will absolutely show you guys that. Uh, the, the, all of the rest of the gumph is here. I'm just waiting for the Mac mini, which is due to arrive the day we land, actually. Aside from that, this month, I think I've edited about 40,000 words on Trey, which is great. Um, I'm sort of pausing now and until I'm back from my dad's it's just a bit too much I've got masterclasses to um, sort out as well and iron out and I can't really focus on Trey whilst I'm doing that I don't want to make a mistake so um, yeah I'm focusing on getting uh, the villains masterclass ready and also the under the whispering door which is being read uh, with rebel readers rebel patrons um, what else there is there was something else that I was going to tell you about <laughs> I've forgotten um, yeah, I don't know. I think that's probably it. Apart from a bastard toothache, I, I'm pretty good this week. I'm full of joy still. So that is wonderful. And yeah, I'm excited. Uh, once I sort of get back from my dad's, that sort of feels like a marker, like a milestone in the ground. I'm just uh, trying to finish off as much as possible before I go. And then I feel like I'm going to hit the ground running when I come back. I'm really looking forward to just the headspace and just not being in my house, <laughs> which I am every day, all day, every day. All right, I'm going to leave it there um, and we're going to move on to Rebel of the Week. So this week, the Rebel is anonymous. Uh, how very controversial. Okay, so it's a little bit of a longer story this week. 
Hi Sasha, a semi-political story of rebellion here and a bit of a long one. In my youth, I was often used as a campaign spy. It's not as sinister as it sounds and all American campaigns do it. You get a young and impressionable looking volunteer devoted to the cause and you send them to the opposing campaign's events to write down notes, videotape speeches and collect opposition research, etc. All to stay close to the other campaign so you could try and see what they were doing. One of my friends was an elected official and she didn't know who her opponent was going to be that year as she was do oh sorry uh as she was doing a generally good job and no one in her town was enthused about running against her. Even so, the opposing party, won't say which one, would still run a candidate against her since that's just what you do to take away time, energy and resources from the other party. And so I was sent to an opposition picnic to see if I could flush out who they were thinking of running against my friend. So I'm at the picnic. I've recorded several speeches, chatted with several opposition officials. I'm coming up blank. Then I run into one of the senior organisers of the opposition, get to chatting about local campaigns. I bring up my friend to see who they've recruited and the organiser admits they're having a hard time finding someone who wants to run against her. They'll probably just end up running someone's kid as a dotted line candidate and not really focus on it much. Then the organiser asked me something entirely unexpected. He asks me if I would be interested uh -oh, in running for the office. I had not anticipated this question at all and considering the circumstances, it was all I could do not to laugh out loud. So I decided to play along. Oh my God. I coyly said that I had considered running for office someday and as a local, in uh, this position was one that I was considering all true while also completely misleading. The man didn't seem to pick up on that second part though and started introducing me around the picnic to various other organisers to talk about potentially running for the seat. I said as little as possible while the politicos at the picnic filled in everything unsaid themselves coming to perfectly wrong conclusions. Now I want to be clear about something. I never lied to anyone during this process. I was vague. I was coy. I was never specific. I said I volunteered on campaigns but I didn't say which one. I said I was passionate about national issues but didn't say which side. Had they asked me once if I was a member of their party the game would have been up because I would have said no. Had they asked me any policy questions I would have been exposed because my answers would have been perfectly wrong but they didn't ask and so I didn't offer. I left the picnic exchanging emails with the organiser thoroughly amused and quite certain that I would be found out instantly. They literally, truly only had to Google my name and they would find out everything about me. Months passed and I'm not found out. Still to this day, I have no idea how this happened. Throughout those months, I talked to them as little as possible saying I'm busy at work, which is true, Still interested, in, but still interested in running for office. Eh, true if misleading. And it works. It absolutely works. Right up until the last day of filling, filing week, wherein candidates must file by 5pm Friday if they want to run for office. It is during this week that I tell the one and only lie during this entire process when I tell the picnic organiser that I will file by 5pm on Friday. And that long tale is how my friend got got to take a campaign cycle off because no one filed to run against her. Oh, <laughs> that's amazing. I love that you didn't file. I love that she ended up taking the campaign because you didn't file. Fantastic. I absolutely love that story.
also secretly quite like that it was a political one as well. Uh, obviously, I have a bit of a background in 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 politics, uh, having worked in in local governments and things. So yeah, that thoroughly amused me. I really liked that story, and thank you very much to uh, anonymous. Um, brilliant okay so no new patrons this week but a big huge gigantic thank you to all of my existing patrons if you would like to support the show and get early access to all of their episodes as well as bonus content like bloopers and random ad hoc silent septembers then you can from as little as two dollars a month by visiting patreon.com forward slash sasha black this episode is sponsored by cobra writing life so i am going to just play a quick word from the sponsor Hey Rebels, we're from Kobo Writing Life, Kobo's free, fast, and easy self-publishing platform. Kobo Writing Life was built by authors for authors, and our team of dedicated book lovers is always working hard to help authors reach new readers around the world. One of the ways we're doing that is by giving you the chance to reach subscription readers by opting your titles into Kobo Plus. Kobo Plus is our subscription program, which offers thousands of titles in an all-you-can-read catalog to readers in select countries. It's currently available in the Netherlands, Belgium, Portugal, and Canada, with plans to expand. Stay tuned for that. Authors can opt into all territories or pick and choose as they please. It's really important to us that authors retain complete control over their work, which is why we will never ever ask you to be exclusive. You can opt your books in on a per title basis and continue selling them on all other retailers. Global Plus helps get your books in front of a new audience of subscription readers who are a different audience than our typical a la carte readers and allows you to earn money on top of your a la carte sales. Authors get paid for every minute spent reading, including rereads. So opt your books in now and reach even more Kobo readers. If you want to learn more about Kobo Writing Life, check out our blog, podcast, and find us on social. You can create your free account at kobo.com slash writing life. Now back to Sasha. Happy writing. Okay, one last word from me. Before we dive into this interview, I'm just going to apologize. The audio was really bad. We had very, very poor signal and um, Craig really struggled uh, trying to get his audio uh, signal to sustain itself. And so I've done the best I can or editing it to be as smooth as possible. But please understand there are quite a lot of audio issues with this episode. I hope that doesn't detract from your enjoyment from listening. Hello and welcome to the Rebel Author Podcast. Today I am joined by Craig Martell. Craig grew up in Iowa, joined the Marine Corps and got to see the best and worst that the world has to offer. Then he earned a law degree. No matter where he went, he always had a book with him. So when he retired from law, he started writing full time. Now he writes science fiction and some thrillers and helps, well, and runs the 20 books to 50k group uh, for the business of writing. And uh, it is a wonderful, thriving community uh, that I'm part of too. So hello. And would you like to tell everyone a little bit um, more about you? Like, sort of what was your journey? And how did you get to where you are today? Oh, hey, thanks for having me on, Sasha. I really appreciate it. And the the journey, the journey was long and arduous. And when I finally decided to write full time, it was I, I was retired from the Marine Corps. I was retired from business consulting, which I did as a, as a lawyer. And it, it was just time, time to uh, sit back, enjoy being home. And also, what the, the catalyst for that was, I retired from my second job of business consulting. And I thought, hey, I've got, I've got a two acre yard and I needed to clean it up. And I started cleaning up, made a brush pile. I'm like, I'm gonna let this brush pile on fire. And instead I lit myself on fire. And so uh, I started writing full time because I couldn't be trusted to be doing manly stuff outside. 
and I'm writing with my leg propped up because I had second degree burns uh, down nice. uh, down one of my legs. But thanks to uh, blue jeans and wearing all cotton stuff, uh, the burns weren't too bad uh, uh, on my body. But besides that one, my one leg. But so so that is part of my journey. I wear that scar with pride because it was the catalyst to write full time. I've got a lot of books and uh, have, have done very, very well in, in the store. I actually have my newest release uh, has never been uh, worse than ranked 500 in the overall U.S. store. So uh, really a, attaining some uh, level of success with the with stories. But one of the big things that I like to do is give back. And so that's the 20 books to 50K group. When Michael asked me to, to run that, I was one of the first people coming over and joining the group. I think I was in the top 50 that came over and uh, following and I co-write with Michael on a, on a few different series and then uh, I run the group and that, I think that's the big thing that we're doing and giving back and because of that I had the opportunity to meet Kevin J. Anderson and of course that's what we're, we're going to start talking about today is the, the story bundle that we're in. What about you Sasha? What, uh, what do you have in that story bundle? Uh, so I have my actually my latest re release, which is Eight Steps to Side Characters, How to Craft Supporting Roles with Intention, Purpose and Power. Um, but there are a ton of uh, different books. And I don't know, do you want to just explain like how the, the bundle works, perhaps? Oh, sure, sure. Uh, the This bundle, it's, it's nonfiction books to get everybody ready for National Novel Writing Month, NaNoWriMo. And so it's a it's a good mix of craft books, how to how to shape a story, how to build a world, how to write better characters, how to be motivated, and then there's also the business, which that's what I put in was uh, release strategies, which I think was one of my biggest uh, nonfiction best uh, uh, sellers because people are are befuddled by the release that and its twin brother pricing strategies are uh, are both do very well. And the way the story bundle works is there's an initial base level. And you can buy in at the lowest level and you get, uh, I think, five books, but there's uh, some 20 books or something in this, 15 books, and you get those second set of books if you buy in at the higher level. So you can pay just a little and get a nice collection of books, of nonfiction books to help your, your author career, or you can buy in at the higher level and then get an entire huge collection of books that go into both craft and business side of being an author. Everything you need to know to add to your library in order to uh, have a better career, kick, kickstart it as it may be. Absolutely, and thank you. And of course, I will put uh, links in the show notes uh, to that as well. Uh, but there is one other way that you give back, which is truly fantastic because I've had personal experience. Um, so you, uh, along with uh, a gang of amazing indies, uh, run the 20 Books to 50K conferences. And uh, uh, I have been to both the Runnymede and the Edinburgh uh, conference, which I can't remember quite the years, but um, they were, was it, I don't know, it was pre-COVID anyway, and they were both amazing. And I think they are such fantastic opportunities to like network and make friends with people in the industry. And that's all aside from all of the learning that you get to take away as well. So they are truly amazing. I haven't though yet been to your, uh, your upcoming one, which is located in Las Vegas. So would you like to tell everyone a little bit about that? Because I will also, um, I don't know, ha ha maybe you can tell everybody where they can get more information as well, actually. Oh, 20booksvegas.com. Uh, and that's 220booksvegas.com is the uh, website where you can uh, get the general information and then sign up if you want to come to the show. Uh, the show is uh, this year's 8 to 12 November. 
And the shows you went to, I think uh, we had 150 come to London. I think we had 230, 240 come to Edinburgh. And Vegas, we have 1,800 uh, authors, <laughs> uh, some industry personnel, mostly authors. We have, uh, I did a count, we were at 230 authors making at least $100,000 a year or more. So uh, a very, very significant number of high-end authors. And I think we had some 500 who had zero or one publication out. So it runs the whole gamut. We, we talk about craft. There are 150 sessions. Oh uh, we're in Bali's and we have exclusive use of their entire convention center, which is 100,000 square feet. So it became quite a massive event from the, uh, the first one back in 2017. And here it is. And I sent a note today to talk 2023 and 2024 with Bali's and see what they can do for us in regards to some pricing. Well, I will definitely make one of them one of these days. I'm, I've am i never been to Vegas and it's definitely on the bucket list. So yeah, I absolutely want to, to get over to one of them. Sorry, say that again. Direct flight from <laughs> London to Vegas. Yeah, not this year, but maybe next year. No. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I am determined to come because I've I've done the two I've done the sort of two UK ones. I know there's one in Madrid. Are you still doing the one in Madrid? Oh, Madrid, you bet. Four or five, uh, the fourth and fifth of June in 2022, uh-huh. uh, and that one we had to cap at oh geez, 300 people because of seating. Uh, Is that so full? We, uh, we we are already sold out of that. However, yeah. some uh, new new seats should open up in January when I send out the invoices, and we'll see how many people uh, put their money where their mouth is. They signed up. They made they paid a non-refundable deposit because I needed to pay a non-refundable deposit to yeah. uh, uh, Madrid to the IFEMA center mm-hmm. and we'll open up the slots that uh, are available 25 or 30 I'm thinking will come open in January and a 300 person show in in Madrid over two days so I think we have 28 sessions is what we're able to squeeze in over those two days fantastic and I have to say from personal experience from the running meet in Edinburgh they really are fantastic so if you are listening and uh, you have access to travel or perhaps if you're in the US for the Las Vegas one or um, you're in perhaps Spain or in Europe and, and have easier travel uh, uh, restrictions than, than perhaps some others then do go and have a look at those but you mentioned your book release strategies which I have um, a paperback copy that's sort of scribbled over and marked up and that's what we're going to talk about this evening so um where does an author start like what are the main considerations an indie author should make before determining their release strategy I I think first and foremost is the contract you sign with your readers uh under promise and over deliver uh there's people who get uh embrace the rapid release strategy but you had better be able to produce books quickly for your readership so if you're only going to write one book a year, don't don't stockpile books and then do a, a rapid release with one book a month and then not give them another book for another year or two. So this is whatever your relationship is with your readers or whatever it's going to be. So because whatever if you uh, do rapid release, release six books in six months, the readers are going to always expect that. So it's better to temper it and base your release strategy off your ability to produce new content that will keep your readers coming back. Uh, even one book a year is perfectly fine, but just make sure the readers understand that right up front because that that will determine the entirety of your release strategy. <clears throat> the less often you release, the more, the more you have to embrace marketing. 
to maintain any kind of consistent revenue. So what I'm hearing <clears throat> is that you don't have to rapid release because I think there's a lot of talk in the in the community and around the industry about rapid release and it's sort of put on this pedestal and then there are lots of writers who for whatever reason can't deliver a book a month or, or two books a month so like do you think there are viable can you still have a career for example can you still write full-time if you don't release rapidly absolutely absolutely now you look at some of the big name authors uh, from the traditional side and they're releasing two books a year. You look at Nora Roberts, who releases four books a year, two under J.D. Robb and two under Nora Roberts. And that's it. She said, I'm never going to write more books. This is just what I write. And that makes that makes a lot of sense for people because writing a book in three months is not overwhelming. Uh, unless you're writing a 350,000 word book, well, then yes, it could be. That's, that's, that's good to go. So you got to look at your word count as well. Take that into consideration. And, and what are you producing? What are you writing? And if you're writing full time, and you're only going to produce one 70,000 word book a month. I'm asking, what else are you doing with your time? Uh, even if you have to research a whole lot, because uh, uh, if you if you know what you're going to say on your story, you can get a thousand words an hour. Uh, even if you're only, if you type slowly, 500 words an hour, and you look at how many hours you write, if it's a uh, for a 70,000 word book at 500 words an hour, that's uh, 140 hours, which if you write full time, that's uh, hey, a, a couple months maybe to come up with that. And this is where you have to understand the production. It may seem really geeky. Oh my God, why are you calculating words per, per minute? And how many words can you do in an hour? And and it uh, it's you have to take off your, your creative and artist hat and put on your business hat. Because if you're going to write full time, you have to. You have to do the business side of of being an author. I love the artist side. I love telling stories. I love being creative within the stories. But then at the end of the day, if you want to make money from this, you have to then put on your business hat and do business stuff. And part of that is what is your production? And if, as long as you can manage your production, and let's go back to the story bundle, there are a lot of books in there in this bundle about production, how to, how to plan, how to uh, put together uh, an outline that you can then follow. Because if you know what you're going to write, then you just write it. All you're doing is dictating the story that you already know because it's inside your mind. And <clears throat> get it down and then clean it up, make it pretty because telling a story is different than, than reading, than what the reader will experience with a story. But it's still eminent, eminently doable, even with as much other stuff as I'm doing with the conferences. And because I say I write part-time now, because the conference is a, a full-time job, especially with 1,800 uh, people coming. The, uh, I'm still able to publish, geez, eight to 10 books a year that I personally write completely. So uh, I think this year I won't hit a million words that I've written, but I'll probably hit 750,000 because I write every day. That's just, the one thing I do that I embrace is write every mind. day, even if it's just a couple hundred words. It blows my mind. I wish... I could, uh, I just don't, what I love is your no bullshit, like attitude to it. Like you just, you just do it. And I love that. And, and I, I, I don't know if you've ever heard of Clifton Strengths, but I suspect you have very high discipline because my, that is a, a phrase that my wife uses quite, quite a lot. And, uh, but my brain yeah. doesn't allow me to do that. I don't know. I have lots of pondering time in there and, and, and obviously clearly mental bullshit that stops me writing uh, at a rapid, uh, a more rapid rapid rate than I actually do um but yeah I'm in awe of your your pace that is um impressive <laughs> let me put it that way um 
Okay, so um, what do you think are the biggest mistakes authors make um, with their release strategies? And I think you've mentioned one already, uh, which is that sort of um, stockpiling books and then not continuing to deliver on the pace of those stockpiled books. But are there any other mistakes authors make with releasing? I, I think one of the biggest mistakes that authors make, especially new authors, is the disappointment with sales because they'll have a, a, a pie in the sky goal. And even if they say, even if they don't say, uh, hey, I expect this book to sell, everybody expects their book to sell. But if uh, unless you have a promotional strategy of getting it out there and you have <clears throat> an established readership, putting that book into people's hands is hard, the first one. So that uh, impact on your motivation is is one of the biggest problems because hey i have this release strategy i'm doing this i'm doing a blog tour i've got a couple promotions i paid uh, uh bookbub 500 or whatever for the new release alert and i sold 10 copies and and people are crushed so they some people have a tendency to overspend without knowing that, that they're that what the targeted readership people too many people don't know what their genre is and the genre, is it readers of Harry Potter? Is it readers of, of Chuck Tingle? I don't know. I mean, uh, whatever whatever <laughs> the readership that is most like, that's that's who you practice. Or you just looked at Chuck Tingle, didn't you? The, uh, I did. Uh, I did have a giggle uh, at Chuck Tingle. Target those uh, uh, readers with your ads. And 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 it takes it takes time in order to then find that readership. So I, I think the short game attitude versus I'm in it for the long game if you're in it for the long game, a good story, you'll always be able to sell it. My biggest seller this year isn't the book I just released that's that's killing it. It's a book, uh, a, an omnibus edition of a book I wrote five and a half years ago. Mm -hmm. It's uh, that whole series. I put it into a complete set and, and it, it's making me a thousand dollars a month, pretty much every month, day in, day out. I published it. I published those books five years. I first put it out. It didn't have the right cover on it, but it was the same book. And I didn't sell anything, anything. And then a couple of people read it and they said, this is this is YA. It's not a space opera, a space adventure, however I was marketing it at the time. And so I re-rolled it eight months after publication into young adult YA. And all, all of a sudden, hey, it started selling. Yeah, I think it's- And I then think... I completed a promise to my readers and I finished the nine book series. And I, once I published, it has done extremely, extremely well books to complete the series that sold better and um, what, what I was going to say is I think it's amazing because I you know the same thing for me I, I released a book this year and actually it's still the book from last year that's outselling everything you know so I think it's one of those things that you don't really understand until you are living it and seeing that actually your backlist is everything and some things are going to sell really well consistently without much effort other things will sell really well with effort and some things are just never really going to sell even even if they're a good book even you know like you just you know sometimes these things just are what they are and uh you know we can do lots of things to to improve them whether that like you said changing your covers you know retweaking or rebranding or blurbs or all of this stuff but you know it is a hard thing I think to predict what is going to be your bestseller and, and what isn't I never would have thought that the book that sells the best for me was going to be the one that, that did that I just I don't know <laughs> it's, it's a blessing but obviously I just didn't kind of predict it these things um surprise us sometimes I think yep. um and okay that's exactly it that's exactly it it's the readers determine and once you put it in the right reader's hands you just do more of that yeah that's, that is marketing that's the entirety of marketing absolutely 
Okay, so you you mentioned um, rapid release, and we've mentioned sort of different timings. Can you is there a definition of what rapid release actually is? Like, can you sort of loosely explain the pros and cons of rapid releasing versus longer timescales? The, the benefit, the rapid release, is one hundred percent predicated on Amazon's new release category and how they push it out to their list. How they'll push a book out listing of books lasts 30 days. So that's the entirety of rapid release is you get that second book out before that first book comes off that new release list and Amazon will keep pushing it if the first book sells. And this is the rapid release will not save you if the, if you haven't had it, if you don't have a marketing strategy on that first book in order to get it into people's hands, because then you get no benefit it's from algorithms. You get no benefits from Amazon helping you push it uh, if, because it, it's selling. Amazon is in this to make money and they do it because with books that are selling well. Oh, but how do I get the book selling well first? Well, this is chicken and egg stuff. And once you've been, once you've been in the game for a while, the long game, you understand, you've built your readership, you're going to sell, you know, what is it, 1,000, 2,000 copies off your list of people who follow you. Let me let me share it with a few people because after you bought a book from Amazon, you'll get an email. Hey, you bought this book. Congratulations. Oh, here's some other books you may be interested in. When your book is in that list of four books, then you're killing it. Then then it it self perpetuates. And if people are buying the book off that, then Amazon sends it to more people. So this is this is what when we say uh, you've gotten algorithm love, algo love. That's what it means. It means Amazon is is showing it to people who are likely to buy the book. Then, uh, mm -hmm. and if you haven't been selling your books, they're not going to do that. So this is part of the release strategy that you got to take into account, and it's for people who probably already have a list, so you can juice those sales at the beginning and show Amazon, hey, look, this book is selling, and and that's. Uh, something you can do if you don't have that established readership yet or don't have a time because, hey, you've been in the in the genre for a while, even if you haven't published a book, but you've worked with a lot of authors and they'll share it and, and give you a little push and something like that. Then, hey, readers are discerning if with a good book, hey, they'll back you. But if you're pushing a book that doesn't read well, that's not a great story. And this is something else that long term, the full time authors understand is I can't just write anything if it's not a good story. So always uh, quality will trump quantity any day, but quality and quantity will put you in the full-time uh, realm. Um, so you mentioned earlier that uh, one of your really big sellers is an omnibus. And I wondered if we could take a minute to talk about like bundling books and box sets and omnibuses. Um, like are there different release strategies for, for box sets and are there sort of any pitfalls or mistakes to avoid with them? <clears throat> I, I think... Uh, I'm a big fan of box sets, but I'm I'm also a little uh, hesitant with the timing. Some people put box sets together too quickly, and I have published box sets within a week after publishing the last. Have cannibalized my own sales. So uh, a year, two years is a great timing because then you get all this new readership, especially if you continue to build your list, your newsletter list, uh, running promotions or or running paid ads to get people onto your list. Then all of these new people on your list, they may not have seen this these stories before. And now those readers like the complete set. And you put that complete set out there. And with Amazon, you, if you're in Kindle Unlimited, then you get the page reads too. And with a big set, you can get those three up to 3,000 page reads paid, which is right now like $13.5, $14. 
if somebody reads the whole story, binge reads it from start to finish, that's a lot of money. And it's no writing that uh, 3,000 pages worth of, worth of books. You've already got them. You've already made an initial uh, amount of money off those. And then you target a, a binge readership. It's more like the Netflix watchers of, of books. So there is a little bit of crossover of sales. Some then pick up the omnibus and do a reread and current sale. So those are good things. And you get paid again for that, that uh, those books. I think at some point in time, they'll probably stop that. But the way it is right now, you would get paid a new a second time for a complete box set, which I use Bond used to get bent out of shape about titling something box set because you don't physically have a box. It's, it's eBooks, but uh, they've laid off that now. And now those are interchangeable. Ah. Edition. So the bundling different strategies, I market to the same people and do just fine. I didn't, I didn't know they'd laid off the uh, box set word. I still thought that was a, a big no, no. So that's, I've learned something new already. <laughs> do you feel that pre-orders are still useful in a release strategy. What kind of role should they play? You know, I spent a lot of time building up my followers on Amazon and I have a, I have a rather significant number. So pre-orders, the benefit of a pre-order, if you put a pre-order for a month out or more, Amazon will email the people twice. They'll email them up saying, hey, this book's uh, on pre-order. And then on release day, they'll email, email them again and say, oh, by the way, this book is now available. So I, I do 100% pre-orders now because I like uh, Amazon sharing with their list. Because tell me the last time you didn't get an Amazon email because, hey, we all click them on, on occasion. We click them often enough that we get them. And if you don't click, Amazon doesn't keep sending you those emails. So if you follow me, hey, you'll get an email, uh, tw- two e- emails as opposed to one with a pre-order. And also that takes out any guesswork in regards to when the book's going to publish uh, with a soft launch where you, and I, I, I don't like uh, being at the mercy of the system. I like knowing, hey, it's going to launch at this day at midnight on this day. And that's, uh, that's important to uh, marketing. And for the pre-orders, I'm letting my people know and uh, and I'll keep doing them. The uh, the Also the launch date, that's critical. You get the date you want with a pre-order and that's important. That's when I can let my people know, hey, the book is available. And then I will contact my newsletter list and tell my subscribers, hey, the book is now available. And what I found is when I send a newsletter in Tuesday instead, that my open rate is half what it is on Monday because the readers expect it on Monday. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. So I've asked a lot about sort of strategy and high level, big picture um, uh, releases, but what are some of the nitty gritty tactics that you use for promoting and releasing your books? Oh, pricing and promotions. That first book in a series, I write almost uh, exclusively series and putting that first book into as many hands as possible, either through motions is critical. And those are, I use mostly paid services like uh, e-reader news today, uh, uh, free booksy, uh, book barbarian, because I'm in as, as possible. Uh, I use paid news lists that uh, I can get into and get that book into pe- actual science fiction readers' hands. That's one of the best things I can do. And then the other books uh, are normal price. I've got one series that's 14 books. And with every new release, I'll put the first book uh, for free and books two through whatever the previous book was, I'll put for 99 cents and I will in out clean up on the, <clears throat> on the page reads of the newest book and get full price sales on the new book. Um, wowza. <coughs> I, um, you put the whole series at 99 cents. I think that's amazing. I, uh, and also a 14 book series. <laughs> that is fantastic. 
Okay, so I, I was actually, that was going to be my last question, was to ask you about what you do when you release a second or third um, book, you know, something that's later in this in the series. Do you use, um, well, I suppose you mentioned you do price promotions and sort of stairgate the, um, the pricing. So do you try to drive all the traffic to the first book? Do you, like do anything to, to sort of shout about the, the book that's coming out? I, I drive the traffic to the first book and the third book uh, or, or later books in the series, I'll run an auto ad on from Amazon. Because if somebody hasn't read my series, I, I write chronologically. So book 14, it really, really helps if you read books one through 13 first. I have some various entry points where this is a standalone in that 14 book series, book six, I have right on the cover, this is a standalone, uh, so it, it goes over a lot of ground that you might find in the books one there. Generally, you got to read them in order, which means all I want to show you is that there are three books out in this series. By the way, go buy the first book. Mm. And, and that's what my promotions are, are geared toward. Fantastic. Okay, well, this is the Rebel Author Podcast. Can you tell everyone about a time you unleashed your inner rebel? Okay, this is me. I've always had a plan for my life. I've always been an overachiever, and uh, that went through my Marine Corps career. And then after I uh, I finished that, I worked uh, at a a gig. I was on terminal leave for three months, so I'm drawing full Marine Corps pay. While I've been relieved of all duties, I'm I'm fine. I'm going to retire. And I actually got a job working temporarily, scheduling it airports. Uh, and I made so much money. I more than doubled my pay. Cool. And at the end of it, it's like two months later, it's like this job sucks so bad. I, there's no way. <laughs> so I quit a, a person who just made a lot of money and it, it's the opportunity for more was there. And I quit because, uh, I, I, I was done. I, I, it's, uh, something, uh, Marines, right. Marines never quit. You always stick with it. <laughs> and I had to come to that re- because this job sucks and it's going to kill me if I keep at it. So I have quit a couple jobs since I retired from the Marine Corps, but I retired at 39 years old. I've been retired for almost 20 years and I've quit a couple jobs and I'm okay with it because uh, you got to do what's right for you and me. Hey, I, I, I don't like toxic environments. So that's 20 books to 50 K. We don't uh, be nice as one of the main tenants because I don't like toxic environments and there's no reason for one where everybody is their own business owner. Uh, tr- just trying to write a better book, just trying to sell one more book than they did yesterday. Absolutely. And it is a lovely and environment. It, uh, and we're it, all in it together, fighting to to make a living, even if we don't need this as a full-time job. Oh, thank you. Sorry about that. Oh, no, that's okay. I think there's a delay. I was just going to say it is a lovely environment in there and everybody is ridiculously helpful as well, um, which is just a wonderful, it's, it's very... Um, what's the word reflective I think of indies in general we are nice humans generally speaking um and yeah it is a you can always somebody is always willing to answer your question or to be honest it's a bit like a bloody encyclopedia in there anyway if you if you search first there's usually an answer somebody's usually asked the question before you anyway um amazing fantastic I love that I also really agree about um toxic careers and the day I quit my corporate role was the best day one of the best days of my life (laughs) I completely agree. You you bet. I mean, I'm a lawyer. I was making great after I quit uh, that that other job, the scheduling job. I went to, I put myself through law school and uh, became a lawyer and did my, did my consulting gig. And at the end of that, it's like, I just, I just don't, don't want to be away from home anymore. So it's time to quit. And, and so I decided to light myself on fire instead. So maybe it wasn't an optimal situation. It wasn't. It but, wasn't. Uh, I got better. 
Yeah, I'm glad you did. I'm sorry, I shouldn't laugh. It's terrible of me, but uh, I'm very, very glad that you got better. Um, okay, uh, tell everyone where they can find out more about you and your books, and yeah, like anything else that you would like to add. Oh, sure. I've got a I've got a great website. Uh, thanks to a great great web web designer, a retired Navy uh, officer. <clears throat> he uh, uh, so you can find me at craigmartel.com. That's C R A I G M A R T E L L E dot com. Uh, all my books are there, all the series, and you can cross uh, search however you want. Uh, my blog, so uh, newsletters are on there and, and various things. And, and the opportunity to get a free book if you join my newsletter. And this is a full length book. And this is another lesson for new authors. Make sure if you give a sample away for free, that it's the best representation of your writing that you can make it because it's going to know you by. So I didn't do that for, for years. And I think it really held my newsletter back. But now I give a very, very good book that's uh, representative of, of uh, thoughtful science fiction. And hopefully that uh, that works. But craigmartel.com and for Vegas, 20booksvegas.com. Uh, take a look, see what's there and see if uh, that might be a, a conference for you. Thank you so much for your time today. And of course, a giant thank you to all of the show's listeners and a even bigger thank you to all of the show's patrons. If you would like to get early access to all of the episodes, then you can do so by visiting patreon.com forward slash Sasha Black. I'm Sasha Black. You are listening to Craig Martell, and this was the Rebel Author Podcast. So again, thanks so much uh, for listening. I am sorry about the sound issues. They were on my end as well uh, this week. So um, next week, I'm actually not going to tell you who I am speaking to because it's going to be one of two people, both of which are being recorded in the next week. So just in case, for whatever reason, they get cancelled, um, I will let you know. It will be a surprise. I won't let you know. <laughs> You'll just have to come back next week and find out who I'm speaking to. All right, join me next week and have a wonderful writing week. Don't forget to tune in and subscribe on your podcatcher. And when you have a moment, please leave a review.